We are back again. Back in time, bitches. <sighs> Fuck. What time is it? Fucking shit. It's 3.30. Oh my god, dude, we're late. Oh, fuck, we're late. Oh my god, this isn't good. Do you know how long it's been since our last episode? Oh, we're starting already, okay. I wasn't aware of the... I just woke up. I wasn't aware. And you failed to wake... You fa- I asked wake you specifically... Up. Wake him up inside. To wake me up when it was time song. to do our, our next episode. How long has it been? A whole year? I think it's been like whole century did you like that did you like that since the last episode we put out was in 2023 and now it's 2024 (laughs) that's a whole nother year uh all right well hey uh, hi everybody Um, forget christmas it's valentine's month everyone we skipped january altogether you know why because it's the shittiest because nobody cares about january of the year everyone say it with me january sucks January sucks. January sucks. (laughs) So we skipped it. And we're here in February of 2024 to talk about more of our favorite albums, movies, and games. My name is Nick Scarpin Auto. I'm David Kabushkar. And today joining us, we have our Kargi. It's been so long since our last episode, we forgot... How to do it. We forgot how to do the episode. We forgot how to do the podcast. So we don't have a car with us. Luckily, our trusty dog sidekick, Ein from beloved 90s anime Cowboy Bebop, is here to join us. Ein, what do you have to say about um, being a guest on the podcast today? You're welcome. Oh, I thought he was going to say. <laughs> do you remember that episode? When where he tripping ta- balls? Where he talked? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. I do remember that. He's he's the best character from the show. I know we talked. Did we talk about Cowboy Bebop on the? We had to have. Yes. Yeah, we did. It we was did. just a very early episode because I remember cutting out the Spike Spiegel PNG file for the thumbnail, oh. and I forget who else was in that episode. But Spike is a very tall, lanky dude, so it was hard to get him in frame. Probably like, you know, taking photos with you, you know? It's it's hard to get you in frame sometimes. Yeah. You're very tall. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, like, I'm a giant. Yeah, we forgot Vanessa, too. So when she finds out about this, her replacement, she, she's going to be pissed. I don't know if she's ever going to want to come back. Um, please come back, Vanessa. I love you, and I wish you wouldn't have run away with that boy, but... Hey, I was a teenager once too, so I, I get it. <clears throat> long, long time ago. Yeah, it We're has old. been ten We're years. Old. Happy ten year anniversary to us being teenagers. <laughs> uh, all right, I guess that'll be next Adults. year. Adults. That'll be next year. Yeah, because we're mm-hmm. both twenty eight years old. I know we already talked about this, but now that it's twenty twenty four and we're actually the age that we're supposed to be, um, it's weird. Or not the age that we're supposed to be. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. We haven't done this in a while. Um, but it is good to be here. It's good to be back. We uh, are continuing to trudge along through our journey. What of... have you been up to this year so far? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Since I we moved... last saw you. Well, I moved back in with my parents uh, for our last episode. And so now, or two episodes before this, I've been living with my folks for about two months now. We did Christmas together. We did New Year's together. 
and now we are um they're they're all sick they're all sick except for me i am the only one who's healthy and sane and yeah knock on did you just knock on my guitar no no is the wall uh, okay Which, you could knock on him though yeah he's he's it's kind of a dummy. That's okay. Dinky over there. Back on the Dinkster. It's my very first guitar ever, and I kept bumping him into walls. So a friend of mine was like, "Name him Dinky," and I said, "Okay," which I kind of stole. Yeah. Well, bar here, and he's in good hands. Um, he's in good. What's hands. the indefinitely borrowed? Indefinitely borrowed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, something like that. So it's been a lot of it's been a lot of holidays. It's been a lot of taking break from. It's an extended winter break, if you will. Uh, I've seen a lot of movies, watching a lot of the Best Picture nominees for this year's Oscars. So far, I've seen four movies, I think. You've seen five. Five of them. So yes. together, we're almost done, <laughs> if you think about it that way. Um, I've been playing a lot of video games, mostly mobile games. I'm excited to play Persona 3. That's a new thing that came out recently. I got the PS5 edition, despite not having a PS5, so we'll see how that turns out, uh, what becomes of that. And I'm accepting that I think I love February. I do. I think I do. There's just something about the snow melting away, spring being right around the corner. The love is in the air. It smells nice and rosy. And uh, chocolates are half off the day after. And it's award season, so it gives me excuses to listen to a boy genius. I've never, I, I I didn't listen to their full album, but something tells me they won a lot of awards last night. It's also the anniversary of our channels. Although is that right? Well, I mean, mine at least, but we started like making videos at the same time. Yeah. But oh, we just, did, didn't we? You just don't do that anymore. No, I don't. You lazy I, bitch. <laughs> hey, I haven't taken a break, but also I have learned about myself that I can't I can't make promises about releasing stuff until the things are done man I can't do that anymore that's that's one have you heard of ins and outs lists for new years instead of having resolutions people are doing ins and outs you know so it's like here's what's in this year right uh not uh, sorry not not <laughs> that'd be the out ins would be you know drink more water that's in this year um being racist that's <laughs> out this year so we can't guys can't do that anymore we can't can't be racist anymore i'm not i'm not, I'm not ready yet <laughs> jesus <laughs> um so in this year is uh, uh what's in this year in this year is actually making videos but out is promising people that i'm going to make them before they're done so it's kind of a paradoxical thing i don't know how i'm gonna get things done this year um but you know it's still the beginning of the year so we got i got plenty of time yeah what about you david what have you been up to uh this this lovely 2024 nothing but working and practicing the shit out of our next ep and rewriting it because i had to overhaul some of my parts because I wrote it like a dickhead and didn't even consider the thought. Because when I wrote it, I didn't think we were going to actually like play it in the band. Yeah. So I was just like, I didn't care. In the but, band Callous Wing. Yeah, but now that we're actually going to record in a couple months, uh, 
I gotta kick into high gear and get the shit down. Cause that's a yeah, kick. bro, that's a kick in the high the gear. The next EP, it's got two songs written by me. Woo! The first two songs actually. Wow. So that's exciting. So you're gonna break down some doors and damn straight and announce, hey, this is our band. I'm a songwriter now. Hell yeah! You gotta credit yourself. You guys, I don't know if you've done it already, but you gotta you gotta register your songs. Might. I don't know what that is. So, essentially, when you register a song and you list yourself as a songwriter, that ensures that that song is legally yours. Otherwise, if someone were to hear a Calloused Wing song and then learn that you aren't registered, which by the time this video comes out, they're totally going to be registered. So don't think about doing this, everybody. But if you were to play and you know if someone were to be like yeah this is our song uh and then you hear it and you're like yeah it's our song but you didn't register and they did then legally you know and of course you can sue and you can show them songwriting notes from whatever whatever but yeah i can show the years and years of footage and audio files of us making the songs so i guess it's not that big of a deal you fucking pussy trying to steal my shit <laughs> pussy pussy but it's just it's just the thing that i i try to remind myself a lot and a lot of my songwriter friends is just to register your songs get them registered make yourself make yourself official and be good to yourself that's in this year is to be good to yourself and register yeah. your songs nick i'm also at like 920 korok seeds for tears of the kingdom so you're almost done i got like 80 left dude so everyone cheer them on in the comments below if you're watching on youtube it's... if you're on spotify or google play or apple music or Google Podcast, sorry. And um, since May, dude, I've been playing this game. And I got like two weeks left. How do you feel about that? I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Wait for Breath of the Wild 3. No, that's not happening. So yeah, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, and then... Shit's out the ass. <laughs> sorry, they're not going <laughs> to... Uh, no, there's not going to be any more. No, probably uh, not. The next Zelda thing they're going to do, they're probably going to do a, a Super Mario thing where they did Galaxy, and it was really good, so they made a Galaxy 2. Uh, and then they went to a, a 2D Mario, so we're probably going to get a top-down Zelda next. Another one. That'd be kind of cool. I would like that. Or some other Zelda-related thing. I'm sure whatever it is, it's going to be great. might be on the new Switch 2, which hasn't officially been announced, but come on, guys. It's, it's 2024. The swap. They're gonna call it the Nintendo Swap. Ew! <laughs> that doesn't sound gross. It sounds so icky. Nintendo <laughs> Swap. Yo, you want to play Swap later? <laughs> That's just not. It doesn't have the same ring to it. So we're hoping we're hoping for good things in 2024. But here on the podcast uh, about how neither of us ever got into cars, we're gonna look to the past for some of our favorite things ever including albums movies and games if you're unfamiliar and you're just starting to listen to podcasts in this new year if that is in for you in 2024 hopefully you enjoy our podcast so far and we've been doing this thing for the past i don't know like 20 episodes at this point if we're both on our top whatever yeah where we count down our top 10 favorite albums top 15 favorite games and then month to month we switch up the genre of movie that we pick our favorites from. And as far as games go, we're in our top 10. And as far as albums go, we're in our top five. 
And as far as movies go, we're in our romantic comedies. Rom-com, because it's February. It's February. It's the love month, baby. So we gotta we gotta talk about love, but not just romantic. The Notebook drama love. Love me some Notebook, but I also like to giggle a lot. And someone who makes me giggle a ton is Mr. Jason Siegel, Manor Muppet himself, in specifically the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which we literally just watched. We did. Because I, also in this year, I want to watch more of my best friend's favorite movies. And uh, out this year is him not watching my favorite movies. So That's right. We're going we're gonna to try to you know be more uh, conscious about that. So, for me, I love I love me some love, but I also love some relatability. And Forgetting Sarah Marshall is all about, it's a movie about a breakup and how to recover from a breakup. And it shows all sides of it. And honestly, it did you just fart? No, it was a yawn. Yeah. You wouldn't have been able to hear that anyway. Uh, so, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, it's a funny, it's a funny movie. It's a romantic movie. It's got the rom, it's got the com, it's got a shit ton of actors that we know. It's pretty stacked as far as like comedians go. Uh, you got Jason Siegel, you got Mila Kunis. Um, oh my God, what's her name? Uh, Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell plays Sarah uh, Marshall. You got the guy Russell uh, Brand. Brand. I almost called him Russell Peters. <laughs> uh, and then you have cameos from people like uh, Jack Brayer, who uh, played fucking fix it felix and wreck it ralph mm-hmm. you got jonah hill uh fresh off the success of super bad you got bill Hader, uh paul rudd it's just a shit ton of people that we know um and uh yeah it's it's a movie that i hold very near and dear to my heart the first time i saw it i was going through i was really going through a emotional experience about a girl and this movie take advantage while while you hang me out to dry dry but i can't sorry you said about a girl so i really did i had to bust out <laughs> i did say that i also the fact that peter played by jason siegel in this movie is a musician when i first saw this movie i was like was it was it a documentary crew following me around making a movie and my life is nothing like this movie, but I made up a bunch of connections in my head. So anyway, I've held this movie in high regard in my brain for a very long time. And this is the first time that I've seen it in a while. And I'm thinking about it super critically. Um, but yeah, before I dive into that, David, I want to know what you thought seeing it for the first time. What did what did you think? I don't think I've seen Jason Siegel in another movie besides I Love You, Man, mm. which... Have you seen that? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Where him and Paul Rudd are that, like. That's also pretty. It's also a pretty good rom com. That's that's a uh, bro rom com. Yeah, right it really is. Um, but yeah, he's really good. Uh, I thought there's definitely some funny parts. Mm. You know, the pediatric fire truck <laughs> sticks out. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good part. Yeah, just a bunch of good lines because I, you know, uh, the. It's like it's like the one team making all these movies like this mm. super bad knocked up goddamn uh uh 40 year old virgin yeah just like the just, Judd Apatow crew yeah these guys are just like firing on all cylinders and I don't know what they've done recently but. not a whole I feel like all of the actors that were in those 
Well, first of all, it started way back when there was a show called Freaks and Geeks where Judd Apatow cast a bunch of these actors and then they sort of had a not a not a round table what am i thinking of like a brain trust of actors and writers and judd apatow was kind of at the center of it so they just started making a shit ton of movies after freaks and geeks got canceled and it it's popularized they call it stoner comedy of the mid to late 2000s there's a lot of mentions of even in this movie Paul Rudd's character mentions weed a couple of times and it's like very apparent that in the mid 2000s it was still a not even a taboo thing to talk about but it was like edgy you know it was like yeah we're gonna have our people in this movie talk about weed because it's funny you know and now it's like you mentioned weed and it's it doesn't have nearly as much impact as it did when I mean, we were in middle school yeah I mean it's just a few lines though it's not like uh it's not Pineapple Polar Express. Express. Yeah, I, <laughs> Polar Express. Yeah. That would have been a very different movie if Tom CGI Tom Hanks was just instead of a train, it was like a dispensary, you know? And it was they weren't going to the North Pole. They were just going to somewhere in LA. Um But uh yeah, no, it's very I forget how heavy it is on the the rom part of the rom com in the second half. The first half of the movie is a lot I feel like lighter and funnier than the second half um but i do really like this idea that you know you go into the rom-com being kind of on peter's side the main character because he's the one that gets broken up with and then you find out that he was cheated on by sarah marshall who's this big tv star and he does the music for her show and over the course of the movie the perspective almost flips a little bit where instead of him having flashbacks and thinking about her and trying to forget her and going to Hawaii, um, they end up meeting in Hawaii and then she is sleeping with a different guy. And then he meets Mila Kunis, who's the receptionist at the hotel where he's staying and they hit it off. And as their relationship starts to get stronger, uh, bless you, Sarah and, uh, her, you know, fuck buddies relationship starts to grow weaker and she starts having flashbacks to their relationship and she starts wanting him back. So it's kind of, um, I didn't notice until watching now that it really is just like a, it's like a, uh, what do they call it? A symmetrical or like, it's like a, what's that thing where, uh, a word is the same backwards and forwards parallelogram. And that's a shape. <laughs> I, well, whatever shit. it is, shit. Uh, it's um, it's a uh, oh palindrome. Yeah, yeah. I, I only was, remember I that. Not gonna get that. I only remember that because I had this idea in high school when I made it on onto SNL. I would have Tina Fey, whoa, Tina Fey play Sarah Palin, where she did a bit called palindromes, where she just sat in a chair as Sarah Palin and she would read palindromes from a book, um, and that's why I remember. Pal- palindromes well anyway this movie feels like an emotional palindrome where you start out in a really sad you know happy place before the breakup and then it gets really sad and then you know the perspective shifts and then by the end peter is happy again and he's naked again did i mention that you see jason siegel's dick like in the unrated theatrical version you see his dick like three times it's it's too many times. That that's just uh, it's, that, that was a very good like cinematography moment because yeah. you see him like nude obviously 
but like you know camera pans you know, like like you know just above yeah. that region so cuz like like every movie does and then it just like cuts to just the full shot <laughs> it's just just really good it's yeah. really well done um also another fun fact there was a movie an animated movie that came out called Storks in like 2013 which was f- flew uh, pun intended under the radar for a lot of people but it starred at Andy Samberg as a stork it was directed and written by this guy uh, who showed uh, Jason Siegel's cock and had uh, fix it Felix this is before Wreck-It Ralph so he couldn't have known but there's you know fix it Felix talking about having sex and using the word fuck a lot so um, anyway yeah it it feels a little long at points. I don't know if that's just because I've already seen the movie before and I knew where it was going to go. Um, th- did it feel long to you? Did it feel like it kind of dragged on or do you feel like it was just, you know, telling the story for the sake of, you know, I don't know. I didn't get like bored or anything. Well, that's good. That That's a good, yeah. Yeah. It was a fun time. Like rewatchability. I don't know how much it has, but right. So, yeah, when it comes to rom-coms, for me it was between that or Crazy Stupid Love, and I ultimately chose this movie because I was telling David earlier, it has more personal significance to my life, and like I said, when I first watched it for the very first time, uh, it resonated with me a lot, and it just kind of stuck with me, and it made me appreciate the Muppets movie the 2011 Muppets movie a lot more because in this movie not only does Jason Siegel work with puppets for his Dracula musical go watch the movie it's but he also drunkenly sings the Muppets theme song at one point so it should have been obvious that he was going to do a Muppets movie in the future anyway I love that man Uh, he's very tall and awkward and funny and Mila Kunis is (sighs) I mean, she's great, and she has really great chemistry with Jason Siegel, but she's also really hot. <laughs> and Kristen Bell is also really hot. And, like, everyone in this movie is hot. Uh, and it's just... What are you doing? What are you doing listening to us? Go watch it. Go watch it and form your own opinion. Yeah, all it needed was Ryan Reynolds. It would have been the sexiest movie ever. Sexiest movie alive. <laughs> so, that's all I gotta say about my favorite rom-com. Um, yeah, I love love. So make sure to wear pink and red this this month, y'all. Oh, oh my God, pink and red. Hey. They didn't even plan that. Well, now I got to wear red next week. And you got to wear pink. I don't have pink. We'll find some. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to switch topics. I don't know how long it's been. I didn't set a timer because it's been so long since we did yeah. one of these. I, I don't know. Who cares, man? Who cares? Who's even watching these <laughs> besides uh, Lenny? Love you, Lenny. Congratulations. And Dale watches too. Dale, congratulate. Uh, thanks, Dale. <laughs> you didn't have a baby recently, but you know, congratulations on everything. So, not that this second out, al- this next topic has anything to do with Valentine's Day or love, but at a certain point, the artist does talk about love very in depth at the end of a blues song. My fifth favorite album of all time is Where the Light Is by John Mayer, which is a live album. So for some people, that might not count. But for me, not only do I think is it an amazing album, but it's also probably the 
got the best versions of these songs that I think John's ever recorded. So, little pretext or context. I don't know which one it is. John Mayer is a pop slash blues slash folk slash Grateful Dead featured artist. And at this point in his career, he only had three albums out. Two were acoustic pop rock. And this latest one was a blues heavy, you know, album. Um, And it's two discs long. And it's filmed in L.A. I had a brain fart just Mm. a second there. But John Mayer is an artist that I looked up to for years and years and years for his guitar playing. And as an adult and college student, I respected his ability to craft a pop song with really melodic guitars and sing about how your body is a wonderland and still include chords that are really cool and intricate. And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know how else to talk about this album other than just listing off my favorite tracks but the whole night of live music is split up into three sections. So the first disc has the acoustic songs with just him. And then he adds two more guys to play other songs. And then he adds two different guys to do the trio set. That's the second section, mostly blues stuff and some Jimi Hendrix covers. And then the third and final section is the second disc and it's the full band. So you got horn sections, backup singers, multiple guitarists, and when I tell you that this way, this this approach to releasing a live album is one of the one of the bucket list items on my bucket list of musicianship, it's just it's just a cool idea. It's such a cool idea to have a whole live show that's split up into different, you know, because then, especially as like a solo artist that does all sorts of genres, you can feasibly fit certain songs into certain sections and give the audience what they want. That is only if you're successful and likable enough to have your own two and a half hour show. That's tough. Mm. A lot of people go out on the road and they have openers and, you know, other artists and stuff. But an evening with, as they call it. An evening with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too bad he didn't do that when he came to Chicago recently. It was just him on an acoustic guitar instead of yeah. the different you know which is fine it's cool he's doing the ed sheeran thing i respect it but um david you you've listened to his whole discography you're pretty familiar with mr mayor uh it has been a long time we're we're not sure if he's releasing anything anytime soon but if and when he does we're going to do a discography rating ranking on his channel right just waiting for waiting for something new. But we listened to the live album together semi recently, maybe a month and a half ago, something like that. It was pre New Year, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um Yeah. What did you what did you think? What do you think of John Mayer in general and why did you listen to his whole discography? I don't I don't think I pressured you to do it. Uh it was cause you. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I just kind of I don't know. It was I don't even remember like the day I was like, I just I want to listen to John Mayer's shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I at least heard New Light or I don't know what the hell it was, but I did. And it's been a hot minute. But uh yeah. Slive album's pretty good. 
Yeah. Like the first time I, because I, I heard it twice already. Because I listened to it a long time ago. Mm. Um, and I think I watched it actually. Uh, yeah, the video, the DVD has more songs too. Yeah. Um, so I watched it and I remember the first time I was like all about the second set. Yeah. But then the third time I was like, you know, I think the big band part was the best. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got the most full sound to it. And also, I hate to break it to you, or I hate to break it to the audience. I don't really care too much for blues music. I appreciate the stamp that it's made on music history. But just as someone who listens to... It's just my taste, I guess. I I I'm sick of hearing the one four five chord progression, dude. It's so. I feel like blues is a genre of music for people who are, you know, I'm super organized and structured, and I get so stressed out when things aren't so, and like listening to music that's very jam heavy and feeling. It's just I imagine myself up on stage and I I've been in that position where I've played songs of mine but with a blues band and I have to keep screaming my chord progressions to them cuz it's not 145 and it just freaks me out. So when I listen to blues either it freaks me out or I get bored because they go on for like 15 minutes and it's the same chord progression and the guitar solo just goes on for a little too long and yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just different in person, but that's a lot of this album's second set because it's the trio with Steve Jordan and Pino Palladino who are amazing musicians. Anytime they start playing a blues song, I think to myself, well, this is seven and a half minutes. I'm not getting back. Um, let's skip it. So I was also very partial to the last set, but I also really like the first set because obviously I'm an acoustic singer-songwriter guy. I think the opener Neon is probably one of the best show openers I've ever heard as far as given the context of him walking out with just an acoustic guitar. The way he plays Neon, it's so masterful and incredible to listen to because first time I did, I had a hard time believing it was just a guy on a guitar. The way he plays it and he plays rhythm and the lead section at the same time, kind of like our boy Ryland from Origami Angel. And then the first section also has his cover of Free Fallen by Tom Petty, which for a very long time I considered one of the best cover songs of all time. Uh, What changed? What changed? Yeah. I just listened to more music, and I I think Free Fallen still stands as a very, very good cover. But for me, best best covers of all time... I think it really comes down to if it's how transformative it is. Like Johnny Cash's Hurt, I consider one of the best covers of all time because not only is it a good song, like not only is it an interesting take on the Nine Inch Nails version, but it also stands apart on its own. It's like the only similar thing is like the lyrics. Yeah, everything else completely different. And for John, for Free Fallen, it's super cool to listen to and it's almost like listening to an acoustic version it's not like a john mayer cover because he's not adding too much of a spin to it it's same chords same melody at the very end and for the most part of the song 
but it is a very good acoustic version of the song to listen to. Um, and uh, yeah, then the trio section has a couple of really good jams on it. Uh, the Jimi Hendrix covers are are great. There's a couple of original blues songs that John wrote that don't sound like blues songs. See, that's the trick, is to write blues songs with really cool guitar licks like Who Do You Think I Was that has the boom, bang up, bang up, bang up, and it's just super cool guitar line. And then coming off of Continuum, his third album, the third set starts with Waiting on the World to Change, which is Walgreens core at its finest, but still a fun song, I think. I don't like that song. <laughs> That's fair. Walgreens will oh, forever make me hate that song. Which sucks. But in all fairness, it is not even the best song on that album. It's honestly far from it. Uh, you got Slow Dancing in a Burning Room, which sounds great. You have the 12-minute version of Gravity, which is uh, phenomenal. You have um, I Don't Trust Myself with Loving You that has a really cool progression to a to a big chord change or key change at the end. It's got, um, oh, what else does it have on the third disc? Oh, I Don't Need No Doctor, which is a Ray Charles cover and has my favorite, one of my favorite pop saxophone solos of all time. It's just, it's just a phenomenal album if you're a John Mayer fan. I think if you're not a John Mayer fan, it's a pretty good introduction to the kind of music that he puts out and he writes. Other than the folk stuff, which he focused on for a couple albums in his career. Now, he's kind of floating around doing side quests. He was touring with the Grateful Dead for a while. He did a bunch of interviews. He's hosting, um, like, on uh, Sirius XM. He has a couple of, they call them stations, where he's just, like, a radio DJ. And he talks to people. He's done appearances as a guest host for, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. And he interviewed people as Jimmy Kimmel uh, when he was on leave. Or I think it was Letterman. I can't remember. So, John, if you're watching this, musician to musician, you got to put out an album, man. You, you just got to just gotta do it. Bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. Do another one. Get back on Hot Ones. Please be better than the last one. <laughs> Please be better than Sob Rock. Come on, man. What? Make, make every song like New Light. That would make me happy. <laughs> Lightning in a bottle, man. So, yeah. It's an album that transformed the way that I listen to and, and critique music and how I adapt it into my own style. And it's also my favorite album of his, even though it's a live album, which is kind of cheating. But I don't think so. I mean, S&M is my favorite Melica album. It's a pretty good album. Only because, you know, it's a symphony. You add symphony to any band and it's automatically better. Agreed. Except for when they did it with Def Leppard. And it just kind of... Some songs were like... is that Was that them? Yeah, no, but that's like... Some of those were just symphony. It's like remixes. It's got to be the band and the symphony. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That's 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 pretty true. Like, symphonic with just vocals, like... Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it might as well be at the opera. Yeah. Listening to pour some sugar on me at the at the at the Met, that'd be pretty fun. That'd be pretty funny if I did say so myself. So, keep it up, John. Keep it up, Mister Mayor. Keep running that town. Uh, I'm gonna move on though to the next thing and the final thing. It feels like I know it's a Nick episode. I've just been talking a lot. So, David, thanks for being here and uh, looking pretty with Ian. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Representing, representing. 
Yeah, don't worry. You'll get you'll get your fair share of David in the next episode. Uh, but this is my episode, so deal with it. Sorry. And also, you won't be able to really touch on this next <sighs> subject because it's a very no. I've never touched this game. Yeah, my number ten favorite game of all time <laughs> is fun fact one of the first games I ever owned, and the I think the first game I ever owned on Game Boy, which is of course. Mega Man Battle Network 2, an offshoot of the OG Mega Man series that premiered on NES, and an even further offshoot of Mega Man X on the Super Nintendo and beyond. Um, so really quickly, Mega Man has like, he has, he's kind of like, he's kind of like Link and Zelda where they have a bunch of different versions of themselves and there's a theory that you know, every game, every Legend of Zelda game is a different Link in Zelda, but they're like, I don't know, what is it? The there's their souls are the same, but they they're basically reincarnated each time into like the same timeline, and just Link is the hero of time, and Zelda's you know the princess or whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, there's like timelines and stuff, but like. They're, they're obviously all very different yeah. unless they're direct sequels but that doesn't happen very often not super often in Mega Man though it happened all the fucking time and with a different Mega Man series they are considered completely different people it's not Link and Zelda but instead in you know for example original Mega Man he's just called Mega Man but then in Mega Man X that Mega Man is called X so in ba- Mega Man Battle Network I forget what Mega Man's name in this one is. Um, oh, Mega Man.exe. So in this timeline, you have uh, a kid who lives in a world where there's our world and then there's the internet. And on the internet, all avatars for people who log into the internet are essentially different Mega Man robots. So in the net, the net nav is the device that you use to in- access the internet you have your avatar who is like a different person and has a different you can communicate with them as like a different you know thing but they just represent you i'm explaining this very poorly uh but it's a it's a very cool game and it's a very unique spin on the Mega Man lore where instead of fighting robots who are terrorizing humanity you're fighting essentially computer viruses with your own computer program who is a Mega Man robot. And unlike previous Mega Man, you know, titles, which were side-scroller shooters, this Mega Man game is kind of like a top-down RPG where it's, uh, what do they call Tactical RPG, where you're moving pieces around a board. But at the same time, it's kind of like a regular RPG, like Pokemon or Final Fantasy, where you have random encounters but when you go into this random encounter, you can move around and you can fire the B button to shoot. You collect cards that give you different power-ups that you can use on the field. And it makes boss battles feel very intense. And the progression of the game is super rewarding and fun because you unlock more cards from bosses that you've beaten. So you can essentially use them as summons like in Final Fantasy. And spoiler alert, disclaimer, I have never beat Mega Man Battle Network 2. Because as a kid, I got super stuck 
I think in a section where you're in the woods, and so there's not a whole lot of internet. So you, the main character, you get word that some awful shit is happening online, but you're away at camp, so you can't just log into a computer and you have to find some source of electricity to plug your net nav into. And it's just, it's just, it's such a niche, it's such a niche game. I acknowledge that. I know half the people that watch this aren't even going to know what Mega Man Battle Network is. They made five of those fuckers. And the fifth one, they split into two games like Pokemon, where in one game, I think the villain was a different guy. And the second game, it was the same story, but it was a different, you know, villain. Oh, so it's like a Zelda Oracle of Seasons and Ages. Yeah. Bring it back to Zelda. Mm. That's a callback. It's all connected. It's, call- it's, it's all connected and- online, like the Battle Network. Like the Battle Network. See, you get it. That's right. Indoctrinating this guy. So... For me, yeah, obviously it holds a special place in my heart because it's one of the first games I ever truly owned. I played the shit out of it, even if I couldn't beat it. And much like a lot of the games on my list of favorite games of all time, I, much like the John Mayer album, tried to split my list into three sections where my top five games are games that are genuinely good and also games that I enjoy and slash reminisce about when I was a kid. The middle five are games that could be better, but in my head, I remember being really, really good. And then the last five games, which we've already talked about and you can go back in the older episodes and find them are games that I really enjoyed as a kid, but I acknowledge that there are better versions slash better sequels that are out now. So, for me, Mega Man Battle Network 2, as much as I want to say that it's a really great game, I'm sure the sequels improved upon the many mechanics that this game introduced and introduced even more mechanics on top of that. But for me, for a little six-year-old Nick with his silver... uh, It was red at first, and then I lost it in the backyard, and then I had a silver Game Boy Advance. On my little silver Game Boy Advance playing Battle Network 2 little Mega Man action. Um, yeah, you're not wrong, buddy. You're not wrong to like that game, even if people don't know what it is and you sound like a crazy person when you describe it on a podcast later in the future. So, have you ever played a Mega Man game? I've played Mega Man X for a few minutes. Okay. I think I played the original for a few minutes. Yep. But as a kid, I had Mega Man Legends on the PS1, mm. which I never even got past like the second stage. Yeah, I know the nerd talked about it right. at some point. Um, and in the beginning, you start in that little like factory. I don't know what the hell it is, but you fight like you go around this these corridors and you fight this big thing, mm-hmm. and then you beat that thing, and then you go outside, and then you walk into this town. And I right. never even made it past that because I don't know. It was just kind of. Because as a kid, when when I had the PS1, I had like the four or five games. And like, it doesn't matter if I liked them or not. That's just all I had. Yeah. So I just kind of played it for a bit, but I wasn't really into it. Isn't it weird how we're part of, I think, the last generation of kids that for the most part, we didn't have Steam. So if we got a game and we didn't like it, we couldn't just... Yeah, it's like you just you just had it now. Yeah. There were also a lot more movie tie-in games. Dude, I can't tell you how many Pixar games I owned. 
slash replay. I played the shit out of the Incredibles on PS2 over and over and over. Because again, those are the only games you had. And even with games that you really, really liked, there are some of them that you just straight up never beat. Because you're a kid. You're a dumbass kid. You don't know how to be good at video games. I, I didn't beat anything on the PS1 when I was a kid. No. The furthest I got was uh, Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. Dude. Which I think there's like seven levels. I think I got to level four. But the years later, I downloaded it on my computer and I actually properly beat it. So That's what I did with Kingdom Hearts a bunch of years ago. Because I never beat the first one as a kid. And I never beat the second one as a kid. But they are some of my favorite games. And... That's just something you got to do. So for all of you out there who played video games as a kid, uh, what you know what? Use some of that vacation time. Stay at home. Get some shitty junk food. And finally finish some of those games that you never did as a kid. It is such a rewarding feeling. Which, I guess that means I have to buy Battle Network 2, or the Battle Network collection on Switch and play it and beat Battle Network 2 because I never beat that. Mm. I do still have it on Game Boy, though. I'm going to do that instead. That sounds cooler. So, I guess while I go do that, um, David, you're going to think about your next couple of topics. I know what they are. I made this list before he's, we started this. He's going to take two weeks to figure it out, and then we will see you in two weeks. I will let you know how Battle Network 2 goes, and if I still like it as an adult. But my list can never change, and it never will change. So don't expect me to change it at all, even a little bit. I have been and always will be Nick Scarpin Auto. It is legal, and he has always been and will continue to be Kapusha Cars. Just Kapusha Cars. That's it. That's it. This is Ein. This is our 1997. What's the What's the trademark on Cowboy Bebop? What does it say? What's the copyright year? We're trying to figure this out, folks. Don't don't mind us. Is it sunrise? God, there is no year. There's no year. There's, there's no year. It's just got the. Does it have the sunrise logo somewhere? Hold on. It does, but there's no year. When did Cowboy Bebop premiere? Or when did I show up? Cowboy Bebop debuted in Japan in 1998 and ran for just 26 episodes but became one of the world's most famous and beloved anime. This is from Polygon.com. Sorry to cut her off. So we have our 1998 uh, Bebop Ein with us. And uh, I didn't even number the episode. What episode is this? 38? Oh, the f- I don't know, dude. Who get- You'll see in the Whatever. thumbnail. So... <laughs> We are going to take a two-week break, like we always do, but we will be back to talk about more rom-coms, albums, and games. So, we love you very much. I am going to poop my brains out, because we had coffee and donuts before this. (coughs) 